This is the Delivery Space podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we have some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you insights and experiences that you won't get from a book. Welcome, it's Sharon and Nisha. This is episode number eight on the mindset and the compound effect. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, Nisha. How are you? Very well this Sunday morning, hoping to pick up some great lasting habits today. How are you? I'm really good. Really excited. We have got an amazing guest with us today, Lewis Blakelock. Lewis is a prop... Good morning, Lewis. How morning, are you? Morning, everyone. Yeah, great. Very, Thank very you for pleased having me. and very honoured that you've come on. So I'm just going to give our guest a bit of an intro. So Lewis Blakelock is a property developer with a first class honours degree in entrepreneurial business management from Northumbria University with a level five diploma in management and leadership. He was awarded the Pro Vice-Chancellor Award for achieving consistent academic results. His previous experience includes managing a KFC franchise store with 2 million annual turnover and a team of 30 to 40 staff. He's the co-host of the Developers Network North East, which is a um, monthly networking event focused on property development. And he's got experience in portfolio management of service accommodation, buy-to-lets, HMOs and industrial stock. He's got skills and knowledge within land development, acquisition, commercial conversions and project management. And on a monthly basis, he pulls together property developers in a networking event where he brings together people like architects, investors, lawyers and brokers. Wow, what a fantastic bio, Lewis. Yeah, I don't like to, uh, that sounded better than I, uh, when I sent it through, it didn't <laughs> sound as great as what I just wrote it back. But yeah, no, it's, um, I've been busy in the early careers of my life, but I like to do as much as I can whilst I can do it just uh, the, the way I always say to people is I always got a lot to learn from others so the reason why I try and do a lot of events where I bring a lot of other people together from different professions a little bit like talking to you guys this morning because I've always got something to learn from somebody else and that's how I've always got to where I am now by being a little bit vulnerable and being uncomfortable maybe in certain situations and learning from people like yourselves who have experience in all different types of sectors. So that's my motivation for doing it because if I can help somebody along the way, but then gain a little bit of knowledge at the same time, that's then so it will true. always help me. And in the future, uh, just know? to set the scene for our listeners, so Lewis and I met at a Christmas party and we were sat on the same table. And while everybody <laughs> else was probably enjoying the cocktails, uh, Lewis and myself got talking about mindset, um, <laughs> our experience, resilience, problem solving. So I kind of got in touch with Nisha and said, we've got to get him on the pod. He's got so much experience. He's um, amazing. <laughs> and Yeah, we had a we had a really good conversation over it. It was yeah. it was a lovely Christmas dinner and everybody was getting a little bit drunk. I think yeah, I was only yeah. having a few, probably similar to yourself. And uh it, it it's always good to when you when you're on the same wavelength as somebody else and you've got that you know, you match on talking about the same subjects yeah. and Arishia was getting involved yeah, in it and yeah. everyone else on the table started to listen in. It's, uh, and it Lewis, was, yeah, just it was a great to, um, evening. again, help set the scene, do you mind saying how old you are? 
25, oh. unfortunately. And unfortunately. <laughs> I know, to right? <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I asked that. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it, when I got to, um, well, similar to yourselves, and when you get past the 20 and the 21 stage, you, you stop counting how old you are. Try to stop <laughs> counting how old you are because you've only even got to a couple of years closer to 30, then it's 40. And then the reason I uh, asked that question specifically is just so our, our guests know doesn't really matter what your age is doesn't matter how young or old you are great things are still possible absolutely so Lewis I'm going to jump straight yeah, into yeah. our first question which is all around sustainable routines so it. you know Nisha and I talk about having like a solid routine all the time to try and get through challenging times and that's what we fall back on but it'd be great to know from your perspective what yeah. are some of the key things that um, you do to create those sustainable routines so that you're able to endure challenges? Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's there's two ways to go about that. That, that I'll start with the latter. Um, you can easily overcomplicate a routine. You can make it too difficult to stick to, to where you'll see a lot of people will do something for a couple of weeks or they'll be really motivated at the very start of you know writing out a plan. Um, and because it's too hard to stick to they'll really they'll fall off the bandwagon pretty quickly now i would always avoid doing that because i've i'm pretty sure like yourselves we've, we've wrote down a list of 10 things that we're going to do every day or for the week and then there's that much on the, the piece of paper you know we, we decide to one thing falls off and we don't do one thing one day and that leads to another and then it's all about once you if you've missed one you know you're going to set yourself up for failure so if you start start small um i like to do something called a habit stack where if we if you get up on a morning what do you what do you always go to do for me i'll have a, a drink of water and i'll go brush my teeth straight away so if you're struggling to stick to something maybe say um keep one or two things on a, on a piece of paper you might want to read 10 pages a day when you go to brush your teeth what have you got next to your toothbrush uh, even if it's a couple of words you know tr if it's too scary to read 10 pages keep something there whilst you you're doing something where you subconsciously don't have to think about it um if you what what's a good example people always have a coffee on the morning or a cup of tea uh, after they've brushed the teeth or maybe beforehand they might not want to read a book they might want to go and have some fresh air because they sit in an office nine till five so could they go have that cup of tea whilst enjoying what they do every day and go outside at the same time to tick it off because what i've found with myself and a lot of people is they always see it as um, something that they have to do and when they're trying to get into that routine changing your mindset and not thinking that you have to do it but that you get to do it there's a lot of people that might not be able to go make a cup of tea because they can't logistically do it they might have um, you know physical um, boundaries to where it doesn't enable them to be able to do that or a lot of people might not be able to go outside and see the sun you know it, it's these little things that we take for granted every day that when you start to flip the coin and say that you get to do it and not that, all right, I have to do these three things in the day. It totally changes your perspective on it. So I've always found that to be um, one of the key motivators and helping me to you know, tick my, my daily list off, so to speak. But what about you, yourselves anyway? You, you guys have pretty solid routines by the sounds of it. So how do you, how do you guys do it? I think what it? you've mentioned uh, there, Lou, is just touching on, because you kind of summarised a bit of gratitude, didn't you? Which mm. I, I love that. And... That's something that I think Nisha and I, de you know, we definitely also kind of incorporate. So we all have challenges, don't we, right? Even with running a podcast, sometimes things just don't, doesn't go to plan yeah. for us. 
But Nisha and I will always kind of flip the scripts and say, mm. put it into perspective. Let's take the learnings. What can we do differently next, next time? And we move on with it. So I think that's one thing that I try and incorporate is gratitude, but also similar to yourself, Lewis. It's small steps. Small steps consistently over time is what builds the results. So don't go too big and scary. Just yeah. day by day, what can you change? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to, I fully agree because we, Sharon and I, we live these experiences together, especially when it comes to the podcast and preparation for it and speaking to people like yourselves beforehand, Lewis, but um, also like to be kind to yourself. So if you are, um, it's the self-talk, um, if you're aiming towards something, um, yeah. it's building up slowly, just as Sharon said, but not giving yourself a hard time if there is a couple of things that you do slip on, knowing that you have taken that step and to keep going. So, okay, you you know, you've got a couple of days where you've hit your routine really well. You're doing these small things, then you fall back on a couple of things. Okay, well, it's it's in how you get up and start resurrecting those two things, right? That's That's what I've found. Yeah, it's it's just to build off what you were saying there. It's recognizing that you're not always going to be perfect. You know, these challenges are going to come into your path, and it's it's how you deal with them. And if you if you don't see it as something negative, you see it as a learning curve, or it's something where next time it's that's not going to happen. Then that's what it's all about. It's just changing the perspective on it. And uh, small wins, yeah, definitely. A lot of people forget to uh, celebrate the small wins. For example, so if you the first day that you you've got your you have your your three things that you want to do in that day. At the end of the day, actually celebrate or the end of the week, celebrate that you've done them, you know, because you might not see them as a lot of the time um, we don't in human nature. We don't give ourselves the credit for um, the, the little things, you know, like the fact that you got out of bed in the morning is, is good enough thing to celebrate. You know, you're out, you, you're going to work. Uh, some people don't do that. And that is mm, should be I how like small it. the wins go. I'm loving the idea of your habit stack. Um, I, sh- I saw Sharon's eyes light up when you said that <laughs> as well. Um it's it's a good idea and it's reminding me of the um the dan hardy book um uh compound effect yeah so can you talk us through that lewis what's the compound effect um and then you know do things actually get easier over time once you started cracking these small habits talk us through Yeah, well, if you go back to something which everybody could probably relate to, riding the bike, for example, when you first get on there, you've got the stabilizers, you start off small, you you, you can't do it, you, you know, you're learning the, the logistics of how to pedal, how to hold the handlebars, what the brake does, and it's all very overwhelming at the start, and uh, you struggle to get moving, because, you, you know, you don't know how to pedal, but then you're trying to think about all these other aspects altogether, and then once you put one foot in front of the other, then you gradually start to to get the experience and then eventually once you become experienced the stabilizers come off but then you're learning to then pick up the speed a little bit it's what you just said there you're taking the little steps to learn how to do it and then once you've got past that that difficult stage of the first few times or if that might be over a case of a few days a week a few months mm-hmm. as long as you stick at that you're always going to overcome the the things or that aspect of that um, situation which you don't know how to do and you're only ever going to get better at it, despite how difficult or how much you kick yourself in, in the situation of, if say, if you're failing, for example. Um, once you got to that stage where you're good at it, then that's what the compound effect essentially is. At the very start, if you picture a snowball, you roll it down a hill. 
it's going to start off small and the further down the hill it gets it's going to become you know a, a huge boulder of a snowball so it's all about doing things consistently step by step little by little and then the more you do them the better you get or the the further the snowball gets down the hill the bigger that gets but throughout that process it's trying to stay motivated and it's realizing that you're not always going to have motivation through that process because when the difficult times come it's going to demotivate you but it's coming back to full circle of flipping the coin on the head and realizing that these are going to happen and then as you're doing it these challenges are actually positives because in the future that's never going to happen because you're learning that as it goes but you're learning the hard way but to learn it you have to go through them hard situations and then what i always like about these situations is once you've done it you then go teach somebody else how to do it you learn it more and that's that that's what it's all about don't just take it all for granted and you know how to ride a bike now go teach somebody else how to do it and it'll actually improve then how, how good you are at it and i think that summarizes in some way shape or form how the compound effect you know you know runs and the more that you give back as well throughout that process then um, the more that carries on to that person could then pass it down to somebody else you know so Lewis, one of the things that we want to kind of tap into, if somebody's starting a brand new venture, what kind of tips uh, do you have around building a resilient mindset? Because as we know, we've all spoken about it, everything new, there's always problems, always challenges. How does someone create, you know, that strength so that they don't kind of give up at the first hurdle? I think if we're combining everything that we've talked about so far to do with the compound effect and uh, motivation and just keep on doing it until you get better um you need somebody to soundboard off the most important thing that i've found is it can be a lonely place even if you're doing a business with um a business partner or if you've got a couple partners involved i think it's important to have regular um, sessions where you, you openly speak to them uh, outside of work just a general conversation to see and get you know normal conversation i think promotes um creativity and i also think one of the most important things is to talk to people that aren't involved in the business now it doesn't necessarily need to be about business because if you say for example are having a struggle mindset wise throughout creating a new venture sometimes just speaking to somebody about how you actually feel and just being vulnerable in uh, opening up to them and having them as a soundboard and a lot of the time, you just need that person to repeat what you're saying to actually mm -hmm. make you feel better because you're not registering what you're talking about until you've heard it from somebody else. Um, there's a there's a good book from uh, Chris Voss, uh, Never Split the Difference, where I'm sure you've heard of it, where he's the negotiator. Yeah. And the way that he gets through the situations is gets them people to mirror what what they're talking about. So then it registers more in their head. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one of the, ma the major things which I think people massively underestimate because there's a lot of pride in starting a business and people want to be seen as that they're always doing really well and because they don't discuss about the little things which actually really um, get to them or impact them in an emotional way, uh, they never solve the, the foundational problem or the foundational issue that they're having so they'll never overcome it. Now when the business grows and grows and grows, if that's still there, then it's always going to be reflected throughout the performance in some way, shape or form, no matter how big the business gets. Um, I think you've always got to, uh, you've always got to believe that you can do it. Uh, little things. Uh, what I did a year ago is uh, write myself a, a letter online digitally, for example, 
where it would send me what I've just wrote in a year's time through to my email address. And funny enough, that actually just come come back through mid-February uh, last month. And it reminded me of, at that position in time, what I'd wrote. It was sort of just saying, I don't know where you're at at the moment. I know from this time that I wrote it where you want to be. But even if you're not there, don't beat yourself up for it. Because mm-hmm. as long as you keep on going, then you'll get there. So it's sort of like a message to yourself. Even It doesn't need to be on an email, you know, write something down and then revisit it in a couple of months or look at something every morning. And at that point where you wrote it down, as long as you know what type of frame of mind that you were in, when you look back on it, it'll always remind you because it's easy to forget. But it always comes down to you've always you've got to know the expectation of something's always going to go wrong. You're always going to have challenges. But then to not see that as what we talked about before, don't see that as a negative because mm. it's inevitable. It's always going to have always going to happen. And don't beat yourself up for it. And as long as you're aware of all of that and have a soundboard of somebody to speak to every now and then, then you sh- you know you should be all right. You're still going to struggle. Don't get me wrong, but it's just it's having that you know foundation around you and that the network of people around you to just pick you up every now and then because everybody needs it, don't they? Oh yes, ah. definitely. Anisha and I, <laughs> we kind of lift each other up, don't we? With the <laughs> with our uh, professional careers, jobs, uh, yeah. podcasting. So sometimes I'll give Nisha a ring and just say this is what I'm experiencing and you know she gives great advice so that's like the soundboarding that you mentioned I think that's so important it's always good to the person that's soundboarding to say for you two guys for example it's it's the type of question that that other person's asking so as well as um to say if you're mirroring what um Sharon's saying it's always Mm -hmm. asking that open-ended question at the back end so how does that make you feel what if you did this? Um, not answering that question for that person, but the open-ended question is letting them think about it. And then as they're thinking about it, they're solving their own their own problem, so to speak, or they're then, at the same time that they're registering what you're saying back to them, they're able to work out for themselves. And that's always the best way because the way that your brain's working is it's learning. Whereas if you're just telling somebody something, you're registering that as an opinion and you might inside disagree with that. If you disagree with it, you're not going to listen to anything else that person says in that conversation. And you might have some really good facts in that conversation, but because you've spoke directly to them, uh, even though you might not notice you've done it, you probably haven't registered it because you don't agree with it internally. So the open-ended questions of how do you feel about that? Um, what could you do? What do you think that you could do differently? Is it? I think the power is in the type of words that you're asking or the questions that you're asking back to that person as well. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I have to do that for my day-to-day job. And I think what Sharon said is absolutely true, to have somebody to be able to bounce off, or a coach, a mentor. Um, Sharon and I, we kind of have that in each other. And, it, and sometimes we don't even realize it, right? We're, in, in, in that way, we're quite lucky. We're quite fortunate. Um, and I, I love the fact that you've you've said that, you know, you you don't be up on yourself don't judge yourself so much but explore those open questions because if they come from you and you have you have the answer it's it's a it's a it's a it's a joyful thing actually um it's a it's a joyful thing that you actually have the answer yourself you just need to get there yourself and getting there yourself will um cement what you've got to do rather than it coming from Sharon like if I'm you know um experiencing something Sharon's like right Nisha this is what you've got to do this 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 followed by this um I'll be left going and asking a million other questions right you don't want to be you don't want to be overwhelmed with it all you know you you are your best teacher in a way you just sometimes you just get that clouded emotion and 
what's happening right in front of you, you just don't realise it. No, no. What types of um, challenges did you face, uh, Lewis, uh, at the start of your business? Share with us and what tools did you use to overcome those challenges? Uh, one of one of the major ones was um, uh, I'm really bad for, believe it or not, at times, like most people are, self-talk. So there's a lot of things where if, if something started to go wrong, it all seems really nice at the start, then something can happen. And uh, even though you know the answer, like you were saying there, you always see, I always see the worst in things, for example. Um, so say, I don't know, um, yeah, finance situation. So a lot of the property developments is you need to loan a lot of money from different lending companies to fund the project, which will then, once it's worth more, will then pull the money back out and fund the money you initially put in. Sometimes when it doesn't always go right and the asset might be worth less at the back end, all of a sudden, you know, you get a lot really stressed because, you know, you've got these commitments to this lender then how do you go about it but when you look at it from uh, an eagle eye view is it's not always as bad as it seems there's always just because it hasn't went as planned which it hasn't a, a lot in my past is uh don't always think that's the only way out you know there's always a way around something and if you look at the most successful business owners like you know richard branson and elon musk is how many challenges have they hit you just have to pivot and realize that you know that challenge is it's happened um in trying to get around it but definitely Self-belief and self-talk I've been bad for in, in the past, but it's just reminding yourself of you know where you've come from, where you are now, uh, the journey that you've been on, and always reflect. So that is my coping strategy, is to uh, reflect. When I always get a bit confused or caught up in the day-to-day or don't believe in myself or feel a bit stressed, you've got to look back on maybe some of the journal entries that you've wrote down previously and what you're the space in, in the frame of mind that you're in at that point in time and then look at it and then realize that oh yeah hold on even though i feel as if i'm stuck and there's no way out of this situation i'm in now i'd rather have been in the situation i am a year ago because i was nowhere near as progressed as what i am so it's just realizing that even though you might be in a sticky situation it's horrible that a year ago you were killed to be in that situation because you were thinking logically back then but now you're thinking with emotion so it's just flipping it back onto you know, where you've been and the logistical approach to it, you know. I love that um, self-reflection that you use there and where you said that you kind of referred back to what you'd written down. Where were you a year ago? Because by doing that, and that's something that I do as well, by doing that, you can see, actually, I've come a really long way. So, yes, you might be going through a hard time, but when you see where you were 12 months ago, you can just say, okay, so I've, I've got a challenge, but I've done a lot in those 12 months. Yeah. And one thing I find effective is just kind of saying, right, you know, keep calm. You might not know all the answers. None of us do, but the answers are out there. And once you start kind of changing the mindset, I find that the answers will come to you eventually. Yeah, but you realise that the situation that you're in might seem you know, not very great at that moment in time, but it's a good problem to have because you would have wanted to be in that situation however many months in the past or years in the past. Yeah, it's that momentum, isn't it, that you want to create for yourself. I always remind myself, hey, who got over the last challenge? You did, <laughs> right? You got over that last challenge. So it's it's there. there's already that momentum there to push yeah. you forward. It's to remember that and remember uh, and remind yourself that like there is a lot more that you can do um you know look back look where you've come from and remind yourself that you you actually got through that last challenge 
Yeah, definitely. No, I agree with that 100%. And nicely leading on from Nisha talking about momentum. So <laughs> one of the books um, that um, I love and that you guys have probably read read as well is called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And yeah. I'd strongly recommend it. He talks about positive habits, creating consistency. And he also discusses about how to build momentum, which is something that can really help you get results um, over time in the long run. But I wanted to see if you've got any um, other suggested reading or anything yeah. like that, Lewis, that you'd recommend for our listeners. I'm going to throw one out there that I know that nobody's read because every time before I'd heard of it, nobody had ever recommended it to me. Um, so I did a course from Ryan Pinnock. I don't know if you've heard of him. He does a super genius course. Um, it's all about yeah. subconscious, the way that you think, reprogramming your mind. He's a really, really great fellow. And he talked about this book called uh, The Kabelion with a K. And um, it was a really, really strange read. And I'd read the audio book originally. And then I got the, um, the hardback paperback for it because it was so difficult to take in. Um, I have, you know, it's one of them where you have to read a couple of times to realise what it's about. But that goes back to, um, it was written in 1912. And it's the uh, original philosophy that the, the Egyptians and uh, the so-called, if you do believe in this, how powerful they were and the way that they, uh, they used their mind and uh, subconsciously, you know, like meditation, all that kind of practice to um, create these structures where they didn't have at the time the infrastructure to do so. And it always fascinated me. And uh, it's, it, it, the language that it uses is uh, pretty difficult to understand. But once you've got your head around it, it's talking about, you know, taking yourself out of your own uh, your, your own body, realising that your mind, uh, you know, you're only using X amount of percent of your brain capacity uh, at, the, at the moment because everyone's lives are so um, clouded by their everyday life, social media, all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't talk about that specifically. But you realise once you bring them them teachings into uh, the century that we're in now, it becomes inevitable that uh, everyone's used the same concept. Meditation two hundred years ago was exactly what this Kabbalion talks about. Um, but it's how it's how it was created, how the concept was created, and it's all about uh, different dimensions. And it gets a little bit crazy, but you've got to stick with it and just read the full thing, and it'll it'll really open your mind to do with um, the the different sorts of conscious and areas of your brain that you can use but it's if if you do read this you'll uh you, you'll thank me later for it and there's a second one um to build on from that which is called the richest man in babylon anybody heard of that no no, no. it's yet again it's one which has been written quite a fair few years ago uh mid 1900s and that is similar to where uh, the concept of what you may look at now to where uh, your savings account. So the richest man in Babylon essentially is uh, a small uh, city called Babylon back in, it must have been a few hundred years ago, uh, where this man made his riches from uh, living to different percentages of savings. So when they got um, the currency, I can't remember what it is exactly now, is that he split that off into percentages of different uh, areas of, say, 10% investment, uh, 10% savings, 10% to spend on whatever he wanted, 50% on uh, all the materials and bills that he'd have to pay for the house that they'd built, um, and another X percentage on learning about new things. And he did that throughout his full life, and he'd become the richest man in Babylon, and it's, it's based off a true story. And that was something which I always find fascinating, because if you look at hundreds of years ago, if, if they had that concept there, 
We're still doing it now, but it's just different. So it's always, mm. these things have always been here and people have all, people have wrote about them and tried to teach other people. And these, you don't always know that it's there. So I always like to look back in the past to see how they've done it because we are doing it now, but we just don't realise it. And it's always been around. So I find them, them two books in particular uh, really interesting. Oh, brilliant. We're, we'll definitely add those to our um, reading list. I, as you know, I lo- we love anything to do with kind of mindset and yeah. what you again, what you've kind of touched on there is and uh, Andy, who, who you know from White Box kind of mentions this, yeah. success leaves clues. I remember yeah. he always says that phrase. So looking back, to, you know, years to what others have done in the past can help yeah. us now. So Thank you for those. I used it. I use it all the time. The past always have the clues. You know, everyone, people have been there before you and done it. When I was in um, the, the KFC management, when I worked my way up in terms of uh, graduating from university to the managing the store of 30 to 40 people, uh, the way that I did that was through leadership and being vulnerable. And I always look back on it, sounds daft, but nobody ever looked back to just look how the kernel structured things because this company was so big in the UK and the US and, and global worldwide is that they have the policies and procedures and their culture, which they're telling you to drive. And 95% of it is correct. But when you look at what the original philosophy and the motivation of behind the person who actually created that company, they did it for certain reasons and they did it in certain ways. So all I really did was I didn't invent the, reinvent the wheel, just went back, look what they did and tried to empower my staff under me with that culture and certain stores. And it didn't always work, don't get me wrong, because not a lot of people are open to that kind of approach. Um, but nine times out of ten I did and that's how I got through the ranks pretty quickly was just by um, bringing other people into it and realizing that they were just as as important to the the bigger project as uh, you know I was Mm. we learn through stories guys don't you find we learn through other people's stories we get motivated and that's what you did there it's um It's it's quite a power. Stories are a powerful way of other people from looking at other people's successes, looking at their challenges, looking at what they've overcome. It's such a powerful way for us to say, actually, they did it, right? They came through even probably worse circumstances. We have got so much technology. We have so much advice. We have so much, um, so much um, coaching and mentoring often at our fingertips we just need to be able to harness that and say right with a level of positivity where can I take this right that's that and and infuse that into what we do it's but what I want to explore a little bit with you Lewis is when you say um, when you talked about your scenario there at KFC and motivating your teams because Sharon and I face certain challenges like that in day-to-day life right where we're looking after teams we want to get them to a certain place or we want them to be able to define a a path of travel themselves because they have that knowledge how do you uh, keep those teams motivated and how do you keep yourself positive in that scenario so neither you or the team kind of uh, revert back into a negative uh, thought pattern I think it's realising that um, you're always going to go through different stages and different levels of motivation. And I used, um, there was a book called The One Minute Manager and yeah. there was a chart on that. You've probably heard of that as well. There was a chart where it's split into different sections, D1, D2, D3, D4. And I can't remember exactly what they were, but it was things like directive, non-supportive, supportive. And it was different approaches to where different people learned. 
So I always found success in uh, giving other people the responsibility in uh, doing their role or trying to uplift their capabilities to get them uh, as a better person to when in turn would then become at management level and could potentially be then doing that to their staff that's under them and it will create that culture of people always growing. So responsibility and giving people to it, giving people that responsibility always works well, but it's giving them it in the right way. So realizing how that person takes in information. So as much as you might give someone responsibility, you might do it in a verbal way to a person that can only take in information based off uh, visual. So a lot of people learn through images and demonstrations and whiteboards and things like that. But a lot of people don't like the open environment or the one-to-one scenario. They like group talks. And then they like to go away and then read up about it and teach themselves afterwards. So I think the most important two things on that is understanding um, how people take in information or what their personality type is. And then at the same time, giving them the responsibility to do it. And then the third aspect of that is effectively managing and uh, catching up with them every so often um, to see how they're getting along. But then it's then realizing at the same time is do you catch up with them one to one? Is it a group scenario? Is it a phone call? What are they comfortable with? And then as long as you follow that, they should get to a stage of, um, you know, being capable to do what you do essentially or what you want them to do or where you want them to get to. I like that. Thank you've, you. Um, Recognise the different learning styles as well because we've had yeah. a previous guest come on to kind of touch on that because you, you, you're right, we all learn in very different ways, don't we? So. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and sometimes you don't realise what best way you learn until you've actually, if you, if I asked um, the person on the street, what, how do you best learn? They probably don't know. So it's taking them through the ropes as well and spending the time with them um, to take them through the different learning styles for them then to realise themselves what's best for them. Because it comes back down to what we talked at the start is they need to answer their own questions. So they need to find out for themselves with nudges from um, somebody else what works best for them. What about um, creating that um, change in health, um, diet, fitness? What about that? What about what advice would you give, Lewis, to someone who's struggling um, in that area? I'm talking about myself at the moment, by the way, Lewis, because I I had a great pattern of uh, going to the gym recently, and then for a few days, it's I know it's gone to pot because of work yeah. commitments. So tell me, what what advice would you give? Um, well, what the experience that I've had and the success I've had with that is um, I had accountability and it wasn't just accountability to where, uh, you know, I'd talk to my partner about it. It was, um, I had a friend who was starting a business and to help him uh, at the same time as for him to help me, you know, I've joined his program and you don't necessarily need to join a program and pay for a personal trainer because that's not what it's all about. Everyone's different, you know, like you were saying, someone might want to go work out on their own or somebody might want to follow a plan. But it all comes down to if you don't have I'm a fundamental believer that if you don't have somebody to uh, question or review or help or or anything in that area of say fitness, then you're going to fall off the bandwagon at some some point. If you look at um in a work scenario, you wouldn't have uh, two months worth of work without some kind of review or um, chat with your manager or, or director or boss. They'd always have feedback or you'd always have to report into somebody to do something. And that's where you you know you get further, you progress, you get better, you get promotions, um, or you get some feedback which you need to then improve on something you're not doing very well. I'm a firm believer that you'd need that in um personal fitness as well. And it could it could just be your partner, you know, or somebody else that's like a friend, that's close to you, or a parent or family. 
uh, just somebody to sort of say, right, this is what I was, you tell them what you're going to do, um, or write it down, where I had an app where I would tick off and he'd always be looking at it um, and hold me accountable for if I hadn't done it. And uh, that would always make sure that I would do it. But a conversation, it could be as simple as, you know, writing it down on a piece of paper and then somebody asking you the next day, did you do that? If you haven't, then why? Then how can you improve it next time? But accountability is the fundamental thing to, um, especially in fitness, to get to where you want to be. Because you need to know, do you know, do you know a goal where you want to be? What it could be, how many days you want to exercise, what weight you want to be at, how you want to look. Um, when you look in the mirror, things like that, people have a, an example of what they'd want. You know, visualize it. Yeah. See, my, mine's not that aesthetic. Mine's more um, a level of fitness. So I should be able yeah. to run kind of 5K um, without struggling, for example. That's yeah. that's one of my goals. I can do it. It's just I've not been able to sustain it, right? So um, I like the idea of the accountability buddy um, because that means that you know, I'm answerable to other people for yeah. um, the progress that I need to make in the day or the yeah. the 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 gym visit that I need to make in the day because yeah. I feel fantastic after it right and I know Sharon does as well but we, just yeah. over the weekend we were discussing this yeah. um and the fact that Sharon's got it down pat right she's an early morning person <laughs> I have fallen off the bandwagon so it's good to kind of you know what the right things are to do the accountability thing is great I think yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna find an accountability buddy that I, I can be answerable to and someone that I would be maybe a little bit squeamish to admit that I yeah. haven't hit a particular goal <laughs> it's it's about being audacious as well you know so even if you don't have then people around you uh, social media for example um last year in June I think I was speaking to you at the Christmas party Sharon about this yeah. where um I, I wasn't a runner I you know I was into my fitness mm. um and I decided to it was two weeks before the event I had an email to do with an ultra marathon which was 33.1 miles distance to uh to run essentially in a, in a day and um, I thought, you know what, I've always wanted to do a marathon, but I've only ever run a half marathon. Why don't I just go ahead and do something crazy? And uh, I posted that on, I booked it, and I posted it on social media to say, this is what I'm going to do. And even more crazily, I'm not, I'm not going to train for it, but I'm going to get my, my, nutri my nutrition right so that when I do train on the day um, from this personal trainer that I'm, I'm using, uh, that I should theoretically be able to run it as long as I've had the right build-up. But I'm gonna do it and I'm not gonna train for it. So I posted that on social media. And then once I was when I was there on a day, I did face multiple challenges and disbelief and at parts I was physically exhausted and felt like I couldn't go on. But you've got that sense of responsibility in your head to know that you've told people that you were gonna do that indirectly on socials. So if you don't do it, you're gonna get held accountable for it and you're gonna you know, you're gonna look a little bit silly. And what I made sure I did throughout the day is that I posted live updates on my story. Uh, so that people could view it and if i hadn't posted for a couple hours or an hour then they'd know that i maybe hadn't finished so that got me to the finish line um and that that took me eight hours you know so it was eight hours of complete uh, disbelief in hell but at the same time enjoyment and um i knew i had people looking down my my back you know to check if i if i'd finished so that's a good way to do it as well if you don't have that support network around you the social media I think yeah. that's brilliant because uh, basically what you're just kind of describing is there is no excuse because if you don't have mm -hmm. anybody physically, you've got social media, 
you're yeah. giving people different options, aren't you? So yeah, definitely. yeah, because some people might say, I don't have a personal trainer or there's nobody physically to support me, but you're giving them several options. So there's, there's always um, a way that you can do it. Definitely. Yeah. This day and age, there's something, there's always a platform that you can use or somebody that you can talk to, to, to get you to where you want to be. So Lewis, thank you so much for sharing all of your advice um, and all of your experiences. We are fortunate to have you on today. Um, tell us, what are your takeaways? I think um, it's always good to, as I say, for example, I've talked about all of this today. Um, sometimes you forget. So even some of the things that I've spoke about there, I didn't even realise that I still knew. But the key takeaway for me is you've got to always, maybe every now and then, speak to people about this type of stuff um, mm-hmm. to get it out of your to know that here's a prime example soundboarding uh back and forth between between us this morning is uh you realize some of the things that you have learned along the way um and can still use going forward you know but that, that that's one of the biggest key takeaways to talk to people about it um another key takeaway will be that uh just what, what we talked about at the start motivation habit starting compounding effect it might sound like a lot of things to think about but it all comes down to just to do do things that you want to do, but make sure you've got the, the structure around you to do it. And if you don't have that structure, finding people to help you to get, or find the people to help you to get to where you want to be. And if you don't know the questions yourself, find people to talk to about it. And I'm sure that they'll help you answer, you know, the question that you're thinking about. But yeah, uh, if, if I can summarize that in, in, in some way, shape or form, I hope that made a little bit of sense. Um, but key to it was having somebody to soundboard off and uh, having the foundation of people around you to do it. I like it. Sharon, what are yours? Oh, so for me, I think we kind of discussed that success leaves clues. So you can look back to what previous people have done. It's unlikely that any of us are doing anything completely new, right? There's um, normally somebody who's done it before us. So go seek, you know, you can go seek those people out, read books, etc. And also we spoke about doing things in small steps. Not everything has to be massive. So break things down into small, sustainable things that you can keep doing. Each day you're progressing. And also we mentioned journaling and writing things down so you can kind of look back and see when you're having those challenges. Actually, I've come a long way. So I think those would be my Nisha. How about you? I like it. Um, mine would be uh, the self-talk. So uh, the, the kindness in your own self-talk. If like me, you have dipped in your habits, it doesn't matter. It's action that keeps you having that momentum, putting that momentum behind your habit, which is awesome. So you fully made me want to go and do my 5K for the day. Thank you guys. Uh, without even knowing it, this podcast recording has become my um motivation for the day yeah you've you've become my accountability so i'm gonna get in touch with the two of you later and say yay i did it um yeah and and it's just it's having people that um have your best interests at heart around you um and and uh, both of you have touched on this uh, so those would be my my main takeaways love it so, Lewis, if people want to find you, work with you, connect with you, which platforms uh, can they find you on? Hopefully, if I've done my job right, you can find me anywhere if you search my name. 
uh, just Lewis Blatlock on most socials. That'll lead you to um, the more niche property development socials or networking event pages that I have. Um, Instagram's probably the best one. Um, my profile's on open, so it comes up. Um, or LinkedIn, pretty big on LinkedIn, I like to think. Um, but yeah, if you search my name, if I've done my job right, like I said at the start, it should come up anywhere. Brilliant. So people know where to find you. Thank you so much for coming on today and to our listeners and people watching us. Thank you so much. Look out for our next video. Please like, follow and subscribe. Bye.